Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome in, everybody, to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are still finishing up our training camp previews as we switch over to the defensive side of the football now. where We will be looking at the Browns' defensive line collectively, both defensive tackles as well as defensive ends, which the group, as we look at it here, is led by big names at defensive end that are obviously going to be ones that catch everybody's eye. Miles Garrett leads the charge as he is entering what is the prime of if a early fantastic career you know it's kind of crazy to think that miles has been here now as long as he has been here going into year five of his operation in cleveland which is a little crazy to think of i mean it makes you think that this rebuild structure has been going on longer than we think and the the results finally yielded the positive metrics we were looking for it's just crazy to think the browns have had this good of a talent that has been around for this long and is just kicking into a second contract miles if nothing other than consistent, 2018, 19, and 20, defensive grades of 86.9, 86.5, 86.0, pass rush grades, 86.2. Again, this is excluding his rookie year. This is his uh, 2018, 2019, 2020. Um, 86.2 pass rush grade, 91.6 pass rush grade, 90.1 in 2020. The run defense was 80.1 in 2018, dipped down lower. Far lower than we would like to see it in 2019 when he had a 63, but it jumped back to a 69.5. If there is one area where Miles has to improve, again, he jumped 67 pressures in 2018, 2019, 49, up to 63 again in 2020. He has to improve his collective game, and that includes playing run defense effectively. I think he can do that, obviously, but if he wants to keep creeping toward the elite of the elite, which we think he is, the, the run defense grade needs to improve collectively, and I think he can do that. He had 32 stop tackles last year, which is a, is a fantastic metric for where he plays. Had a pass breakup, a SWAT, uh, eight penalties, which is the lowest he's had given the number of snaps last year. Uh, it's good stuff all the way around. It's an exciting player, franchise cornerstone, uh, a hell of a talent. You start uh, on the other side of the football, which is uh, – Looks like it's going to be led by Jadevian Clowney. Uh, granted, he shows up and plays the way we all expect him to play. Again, it's well noted, no sacks last year, but in his 425 snaps, he had 28 pressures, 6 hits, 22 hurries, 3 knockdown passes, uh, 11 stop plays and run defense. His, his pass rush, lowest it's been since 2015, 69.6. Run defense dipped down to its lowest point in a while, so he's due can't say he's due, but but the goal here has to be he's getting healthy and he has a get-back season ready to go. Uh, that is that is what he needs. That is what Cleveland needs, uh, especially a defensive end opposite Miles to take over for Olivier Vernon, who who played good football when he was playing. Other defensive ends on the roster, we know Tack McKinley is looking for a bounce-back season. Tack had a pretty strong start to his early career. Um, you know, he does his rookie contract in Atlanta, 68.8 his first year, 70.1 pass rush grade, had 39 pressures his second year. Metrics dipped 61.5 defensive grade, pass rush 66.5, but got up to 
50 total pressures, which is a great number. Then 2019, the dip starts to occur, 67.0, uh, 67.0 as the, uh, the, the, the total metrics and grades improve, but he did not have nearly the impact in pass rush. 33 pressures is what it dipped down to. Then last year, only 85 total snaps played as everything fell apart between him and the Falcons and the injuries. And he had a, a, a pretty solid grade, 69.6, but only eight pressures in, in 85 snaps. So he's chomping at the bit to come back ready to play. Uh, I would imagine, <laughs> as you would you would hope he would be, to prove the Browns right in this contract that they've given him this this one-year deal and, and try to produce something that keeps him around for the next year and, and, and beyond, not just maybe in Cleveland, could be anywhere. Uh, Porter Gustin is your other defensive end that'll be back 65.7 grade, 67.3 run defense, 57.8 pass rush. He had 14 total pressures and 228 rush attempts uh, getting after the quarterback. He had 15 stop tackles. Pretty solid fourth defensive end. Joe Jackson will compete again. He only had 71 total snaps last year. Not much of a factor. We know Adrian Claiborne. We know Olivier Vernon are gone. Cameron Malveaux will be back. He is currently on the roster. Not sure what uh, his impact can be. Maybe a practice squad player is my best guess at this time. Other defensive ends on the roster, uh, Curtis Weaver. Curtis Weaver will have a real opportunity to come in and earn a role. I mean, you know, it's well documented. The injury designation, the Dolphins had to pass him through waivers to get him onto a spot where they could keep him. Cleveland claimed him. The, the toe was... Uh, the ligament almost made him feel like the toe was dangling off his foot. He rehabs. Credit to Cleveland for the rehab process. Seems like he's ready to go. He is the dark horse uh, player in the defensive end room that could make an impact. We will talk with our guest Mike Krupka here in just a little bit about that. Defensive tackles. Andrew Billings. Pictures haven't been all too promising. Very talented player. Don't love what he looks like right now based on what we saw a month ago, uh, but maybe he comes in in a little better shape, comes in ready to go. He's got time. I think he can do it. Billings known for more of the the run game impact, very strong point of attack player. Uh, obviously took last year off, so it was one year contract gets renewed and carried into this year. Had a rough rookie season in 17 with Cincinnati, 334 snaps, 45.7 grade 2018 71.1 sees a jump in 632 snaps pass rush only a 64.5 run defense a 68.8 last year or well 2019 657 snaps 69.3 defensive grade 68.4 run defense 65.3 pass rush 24 pressures in 18 19 pressures in 19 five total sacks between those two seasons uh stop plays 25 in 2018, 2019, uh, 18 uh, total stop play. So there's something to work with there. I think he's got a, a good amount of potential to be a nice role player, which is what Cleveland will need, especially out of uh, this defensive line that looks like it's going to be heavily role-based. Malik Jackson's the veteran. He'll come into this season. He will play this year at 31, turn 32 at the turn of the new year. So he'll play this year, like I said, at age 31. He has had ups in his career early, his late Denver years, 13, 14, and 15. He creeped into the 80s, signs with Jacksonville. Two solid years in his first two years where he had 56 and 64 pressures. He had 10 sacks in 2017, which is a really strong metric. 
2018, he dips down production-wise, 61.6 overall grade, 70.1 still pass rush. He got 51 pressures. He's hurt in 2019, only plays 32 snaps, comes back the next year in 2020 with Philly, 537 snaps, 33 pressures, a a solid, again, 72.1 pass rush grade. That's what he's known for. If Billings is your run-stop specialist, uh, Malik Jackson is what the Browns are hoping can get some pressure from the interior. So that will be an important uh, role for him. Rookie Tommy Togiai will also be a big part of things. Uh, I think he will be an eventual roster player after camp. Good mixture of speed power. We will see. Not quite sure where they'll end up putting him, but I think he will definitely have a role uh, with this team in some form or fashion. Then the second-year player, Jordan Elliott who I think is the next most likely candidate to stay on the roster. Uh, Elliot, inconsistent. Uh, I did not see the flashes I needed to see in his rookie season. Things you like to see that come up later. A guy starts to really flash things that he can show about his game. I just didn't see enough. He played 350 snaps at a 51.3 overall grade, 47.5 in run. Defense, 56.7 in rush. He only had four total pressures and 185 pass rush snaps. That's not good. He only had four stop tackles and 164 run defense played. He had a, you know, stuck his hand and got a forced fumble, but that's about it. Not much disruption. He only had one game, the Philly game, that was graded any kind of good. And it was, it was nice, but it was 17 snaps. Otherwise, uninspiring. He will probably be on the roster due to his draft position and just taking him last year, but I am not all too encouraged. Other defensive tackles to prepare you for names that will be fighting for roles. Sheldon Day, still on the roster. Okay, he, He'll be fighting for a role if he can find one. Um, also on the roster, uh, kind of down in the, in the interesting to the surprise, I should say surprised if they make the roster section, Malik McDowell. We all know about his past, what he's trying to overcome. Did not perform much in OTAs and minicamp due to injuries. He has to be healthy to have a chance to make this roster. Damian Square, who's a veteran in the league. Damian's been around the league for a little longer than I think people thought he was uh, when the Browns signed him because there was a little uncertainty about uh, where he's been. He has been um, with the Chargers. We started with Philly in 13, then with the Chargers 15 through 20 where he did see a decent number of snaps. He had one season, 2018, where he had 16 total pressures and 602 snaps. That's the most playing time he had. He had four sacks that season as well, 24 total tackles. He had 21 stop plays. Not a great metric season from him, but he did, sorry, from a grade standpoint, but he did put up numbers. He he saw a decline the last two years in his overall opportunities. Then it went down to 402 snaps, then 253 Uh, And over that two-year span, which is 655 snaps, he only had 10 total pressures, one sack, and uh, but did make an impact in run game with with 19 stops over that time. I don't know. I mean, he could be a dark horse player to make the roster if they think he's got a a chance to uh, thrive in the system. We're just gonna have to see. Marvin Wilson is the other defensive tackle on the roster to close out the group. We all know his story. It's well documented. I've covered it on this podcast. Had a great Great, great, great early career at Florida State. Was expected to be an early draftee in the 2021 draft, but things fell apart his senior year. He did not perform well in the Senior Bowl. There was rumor of injuries. 
He'll have every chance. The Browns signed him to a pretty lucrative undrafted free agent contract. He's going to have a chance to make this roster, but he has to show out to prove that he's worth more than Tommy Togiai, which I, they could still coincide those two players together, Tommy Togiai and him, uh, and then allow one more. But if, if he wants to push, he's got to push a guy like Jordan Elliott out. He's got to beat out McDowell. He's got to beat out Square, some of those others. So this defensive tackle room, a mixed bag. A lot of guys with different skill sets. They're going to try to find the guys that work best with what they want to do and how they want to attack. It is the single biggest mystery position. Defensive end, there's four. You had Curtis Weaver, there's five. We'll see if Curtis Weaver can realistically push Porter Gustin, but they only kept eight defensive tackles at the start of this uh, 2021, or sorry, 2020 season. So we'll see if they expand into keeping, uh, and I should have said it's eight total defensive linemen. They started with two deep at each position. We'll see if they expand on that. I'm not sure if they will expand. We'll see because they got some talent. Just like offensive line, just like wide receiver, you could go one or two over what they kept last year as the number and feel good about those guys being NFL players. But we just have to see what it looks like. I hope to be able to detail that for you through camp. So let's get over to our discussion where we break down the categories we've been talking about in this whole process you know, surprise 53, breakout candidates, all that stuff. We're going to have nothing but the dogs. Mike Krupp gone. You know Mike is Hawaii Browns Hui on Twitter. Make sure you are following him if you're not, because Mike has great insights on the Browns, and I always appreciate his opinion. Let's get over to that interview right now with Mike Krupka. We are joined by Mike Krupka from several time zones away. For now, possible changes on the horizon, never know. Hopefully get him in Cleveland for some uh for some 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 parties, some get togethers, hopefully celebrate some Browns wins. Mike, how are you, my friend? What's up, brother? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, it's 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 weird looking at you in the the, the dark cockpit over there, and I've got the, the sun in my face. It's crazy. It is very, very dark. I played golf today, took way too many steps. My ankles are like, dude, come on, man. <laughs> what are you doing to me? So I am I'm quite comfortable sitting in the dark for a while, a little sunbaked. But while I'm I'm sitting in the dark, we need to talk about this Browns defensive line. Talked about them off the air here just ahead of this interview where there's a lot of names, man. They've given themselves a lot of options, and that's not just defensive tackle. That's defensive end. They kept eight last year. Probably going to gear my mind toward looking projections at eight this year. We have our categories, Mike. Let's start with most pressure. So who on this – and again, DT or DN, who has the most pressure in this group? And by pressure, I mean pressure to perform, pressure of expectations, pressure of what's ahead for them personally or the team needs. It could be any way you want to take that. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I actually looked at it in terms of production, but I think it, it would closely tie in to the number two guy on that list for me, and that is Jadavian Clowney, I think, as, as, as much – as we already know what Miles Garrett is and what we know he's going to bring to the to the field and the attention he's going to get if Jadavian Clowney can, I think, if he can play at a high level um, and force, again, teams to adjust what they're doing with Miles, I think our defense is going to sort of unlock up front. So for me, that's the guy that I'm going to key in on coming back from an injury. Uh, you know, he has always had a track record of, of being very productive versus the run. But again, I think uh, if he can uh, make some steps forward this year with, with again, the, the focus the teams are going to give over to Miles, it, it could be very uh, impactful for this team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think we talk about the positives all offseason, nonstop. That's just the nature of this time of year. I talked with Mike Herndon, who does Broadway sports. He covers the Titans. I talked to them. It was the last part of our AFC contender series. I did it Sunday. If you guys haven't listened to that, go check it out. Like 45 minutes of in-depth Titans stuff that I think is really good because we do all of these contenders because I like you to have a feel for if the Browns do get where we think they can get, they're going to run into one of these teams in the AFC. And just the outlet, it's just so funny, Mike, like looking at what Tennessee thinks of him versus what Cleveland is expecting of him. And in the range of outcomes for Clowney is another year. Again, the pressures were fine, but the year of, of poor sack production, there could be a, there could be a fall off in play. It, it is, if you look at like the spectrum of outcomes completely, at the end of the year between Clowney and Tack, those guys could be borderline NFL guys anymore. If they both just play bad, it's, it's possible that they both could just not perform very well. I know we all have expectations they can, and, and at this time of year, we think they're always going to perform well, but it's possible they don't. And these guys who they gave a year deal to are then like, at the end of the year, you're like, man, Clowney didn't produce. He only had three sacks. And it's like, okay, then does Clowney get another even decent one-year deal? Teams are going to question that. So I list, I, I'm not here to, to be the negative outlook person, but you have to keep in mind that not everything for your team works out and Clowney has a ton of pressure. Mike's spot on with that. And, and he has to perform because Clowney still thinks he's, and that guy has never not been considered one of the best at his position in his mind. He's always like, I made that that statement earlier in this offseason, Mike, where like he's the, the best player in high school football, every offer you could imagine. Then he's the best player in college football. Number one pick is coming out, playing great in Houston, expecting a huge deal, doesn't get it wow, why do people not want me anymore? There's a mental thing there. And he he probably has to have a reality check season this year where he says, I have to produce, or it's going to be slim pickings, like a one-year, $3 million deal type of thing. And I don't think he's ready to accept that. So the pressure is huge on him. I said Tack too, because you know we all think Tack can have a nice bounce back season. He, we think he's he's had talented, he's got talent. He had some nice early seasons in his rookie deal but he's got to produce to stay in the league. So, you know, in the spectrum of outcomes here, those two could underperform. And then we're looking at them fighting for jobs anywhere in the NFL next year, not just Cleveland, but they both could be really good too. That's a thing. They could both really bounce back. The talent's there. So I think the most pressure is clearly on Clowney. And then Tack gets a little bit of it too. The D tackle room probably doesn't get much pressure because I just think it's a bunch of guys like, 
It's just a bunch of, if you had to pick a D tackle who you think might have the most pressure, who would you lean toward there? If at all in anybody, I think in my opinion, it would be uh, Billings just because we know what Billings can do on the field. We've seen the evidence there in, inside the division, right? We, we've seen him be dominant in, in stretches and obviously he opting out last year. I have to feel that he's motivated to come back and prove why the Browns, you know, went out and signed him. Uh, and I think, again, he also is sort of the veteran presence in, in the room right now. So again, I, I just, he, he's, he's that guy for me at, at this, at this point in time. He's got a, I, I don't know, man. Some of those training can or sorry, uh, OTA pictures and stuff weren't the kindest photos. I hope he's working his butt off uh, to shed. He hasn't, those guys, and this is a, a subplot that we've talked about. They're, they're, there's a lot of guys who haven't taken a year off of football in like a decade. They, these guys have played football their whole lives. And it's like, oh man, I got a year off. I'm doing this whole, you know, opt out situation. Right? Do I really need to go work out every day? You know, and he's a big dude already. I think he'll be fine. He's a gap plugger who can play on strength and he's got plenty of strength that just, you know, like if he shows up really out of shape and doesn't have a great camp and other guys step up could get to the point where they're like, well, let's let him go because we don't necessarily have to keep him at his cost. Yeah. I, I think we kind of led the show in with this, but it's a big, I think it's a big storyline that's going to play out. And that is this room in specific, like you mentioned, and I've mentioned on another podcast before uh, with, with Stephen Thomas just the other day, but it's like that Joker scene in Batman where they break the pool stick and it's like, go. And, and mm-hmm. who, you know, there, there's nobody really guaranteed anything in that room, in my opinion. I just, you know, I, I, there's so many different variety of, of skill sets. Maybe, maybe Togiai is one of the other guys that, I, you know, I feel confident that is going to be there um, in the room. But other than, than, than that, it's, it's really just a battle, and I know that's cliche, but I don't think anybody's really safe, and I think they sent that message by the, the groupings that they brought in. I mean, they, they have a ton of new faces in there, and it, it's, again, it, it's going to come down to eight or nine spots at the most, and, you know, you've got guys in there like Malik McDowell who haven't even played an NFL snap yet, but were off the charts in their, you know, potential. So how that story plays out could have a significant impact on the roster, uh, again, and it's, you know, specifically on the defensive line. It's too Malik Jackson probably deserves a shout out for that because he's never, I mean, you know, like he's never really led a group before. And I guess it would be, I'd be pretty disappointed if he laid an egg this year. Mike, I I just would be like, if I look at guys on the roster, but who have been there before, who have done some things in the NFL, who have garnered some attention from other teams, Malik is that guy. Uh, Can he be a form of Sheldon Richardson? If he can be great, a little worse, Okay, uh, especially considering cost uh, of acquisition. But if he's really bad, that would be like a man. That's a bummer. I think I think I'm kind of banking on him being okay. And, you know, as we sit here month away from the first preseason game, it's Andrew Billings and Malik Jackson that are kind of getting the the peg starting roles inside. And I think they're going to rotate way more than they have done in the past, like often, often rotation stuff because they there were times where Larry and Sheldon, I thought, were, were really gassed last year. Yeah. And and Malik's getting older too, right? And he is. He, I wouldn't say he's on the, the, the twilight of his career, but he's close. And He's 31. I, I think right. you can call it that. Oh, so we'll, we'll, we'll say that with respect. He's, he's, he's towards the tail end of his career. And I mm-hmm. think 
if you can manage his snaps, I think that's where, if you looked at what he did last year, that's where his opportunity is in Cleveland. To your point, if you rotate him and keep him fresh, you know, he was able to get 33 pressures last season, you know, uh, 19 hurries specifically and 13 sacks. And so, um, you know, he, he's able to, to get, to get in there and do what we, you want him to do. And I think he also has some flexibility as we're talking about that, that group right now and where guys are going to fit and, and the, the value that that's going to bring. I think he has the ability to sort of kick outside at, at times yeah. uh, just to pr- provide some of that versatility for, for Woods in, in terms of what he wants to accomplish. Couldn't agree more. Let's, let's talk breakout candidates. So what I mean by breakout candidate is a guy who you think at the end of the year has a chance to be like, Okay, he's a core part of the Browns' defensive line. We think he's going to be a piece that they try to keep for the next two or three years, kind of the shelf life of contracts in the league. they got to keep him around, that kind of guy. So who do you have your eyes on there? So I'm going to skirt around this a little bit, but I will give you an answer in that I I think, you know, by pure talent alone, Malik McDowell is the guy that if he comes on and he's got his stuff together, he could, again, he could be a legitimate starter on any team in the NFL, but that's a huge if, and there's so many things that we don't know. We know that Andrew Barry and company took a a gamble on him and they're hoping that he works out. But again, besides that, we just know what we know about his history. So, you know, giving a guy a second or third chance, if you will, uh, let's see if he's turned himself around because if, you know, if he did, it's worth the squeeze, but that's a big if, I think if I'm looking at the, the the better probability, it would be Tommy Togiai. I just I feel like, again, what you saw on tape with the very limited snaps is just oozing with potential. He's he's super stout. Uh, he has the ability to to play multiple positions, like we talked about. Uh, I think competition wise, the guy that he would really be battling snaps with, I think at least initially. In, in Jordan Elliott is a guy who, again, we've talked about this before, even on the last show when, when you joined um, mid-show, you know, he's got a lot of pressure too because he didn't exactly play very well in his rookie campaign, right? So I, I think that guy, again, is for me is Tommy Togia, and, and I'm really excited to see what, what he can put on tape this year. I think Tommy is, is a fair candidate for that, uh, for that role, especially for the interior guys. Uh, you know, he's a guy who has, I think, very functional strength speed combination that can pan. He's he's still raw. He's he, when when we say raw, we don't mean like some people throw around the term raw, but he hasn't played a ton of snaps. He's flashed, but he hasn't played the volume of snaps you would think to make definitive declarations about where his career is going. And I think that that he can be a moldable piece that they can use where they think he's best suited all the time. There's no pressure to have him sit and play somewhere he's not suited. Sometimes that's a real thing that happens to players. So I think that they have a nice opportunity for him to fit with a limited role. Like he's not coming in expected to be a a guy who plays 40 snaps a game. Hey man, we're going to give you 15 to 20 and you need to, you need to just play like your hair's on fire. And I think he can do that because that's what he did at Ohio state. And he was, he was pretty effective with it. So I think he's a nice breakout candidate on the edge, a sneaky candidate. Could Curtis Weaver do that? I don't know. Maybe I think Curtis Weaver has an opportunity here and he's just, he's still not being talked about a ton. I don't know that I would declare him like, Hey man, money on the line here. Give me your breakout. Can I probably lean toward like tack or he guy who could, you could, who could come off the bench and play in some just pass rush situations and really get those snaps when they bump Clowney inside. But, 
Curtis Weaver sneaky that I think on the edge would make some sense. What do you think of him? Yeah, I, actually, he was my number two guy, and because, and I wanted to maybe ask you this, and I know we're we're, we're live, but there was reports of him kind of playing linebacker at OTAs, and I wonder if maybe you know if he can show some versatility, maybe play that Sam role a little bit in addition and certain packages to add a, a different element and component to the the pass rush. Um, I think that's something interesting to consider. And I think, you know, the way Andrew Berry went after him and snagged him up, you know, as soon as the Dolphins let him go because of the injury, I think that showed me anyways that he certainly values him and was willing to keep him around for, for the year and, and let him get healthy. Um, obviously, productive guy in college. I think sort of his length is going to be an issue uh, or at least was an issue in terms of like why maybe he fell in, in, in the draft a little bit. But, um, you know, for me, I think, depending on where he can step in and fill those roles, he, he can be that guy that you just mentioned, right? Sort of uh, a breakout kind of candidate this year. He's, um, he's, he's bigger physically, I think, is what he's mentioned. This is a big part of why I want to try to get to, to, to training campus to see these sorts of things. I think he could be like a dime situation rusher. I think they might want to put him in a two-point and say, hey, man, we want to see what you can do here as an, an overhang guy. Uh, we can rush you off the edge, two-point stance, you let you get after the quarterback. So there could be some of that for him. I think that's what he did a lot of at Boise, too, if I recall. He, he would two-point stance it and and uh, and get off the edge. So I think there's some of that they could like. And you're right. And if they want a bigger guy to play that under front Sam, if they I mean, if they don't want Taki on the field, maybe they want a big guy in run situations. He could be a stand-up fifth, fifth guy along the front. Uh, I think they see that. And he can run, too, so it's not like – if you, you feel like you can teach him to put his foot in the ground on play action, hey, man, you're responsible for anything fullback front side here if something leaks out or anybody who runs flat, shallow, you know, a tight end sneaking out down the opposite side of the side, uh, the, sneaking out the back of the formation, you got it. He could do that. So I, I'm interested. Um, let's talk highlight a new role. Mm. Uh, this, is, this is an interesting one. Some, some are a little more obvious than others with these positions, but I, I was curious if you came up with anyone on this one. Well, I may kick this one back to you because Weaver was sort of that guy for me too, just based on that conversation we just had, right? Like he he hasn't necessarily played linebacker per se, but there's been talk of him doing that at OTAs. You know, why is that? Maybe it's maybe it's nothing, right? Maybe it's just hey, let's just see, just because we want to see what he can do. Um, but you know, maybe it's something. And and for me, I was just going to buy into that. I think there are some more clear ones, um, but uh, that was the one that I was going to go with. Yeah. Uh, who, who, who did you have like, like off the top of your head, who was the guy that, that stuck out to you? Was it clowning and, and kicking inside a little bit more or, or it what, could what? Be, there's no real clear answer on this group. I don't think necessarily well wide receiver. I think there's a, a couple new roles that we highlighted and I think there'll be some in the secondary we'll talk about, but yeah, I think that's fine. I think, I think Weaver could have an opportunity to have a different role. I think I, I do think Clowney can can play and then and not just me watching the film and writing about it and saying it, but the Browns have been vocal about bumping him inside. So maybe that snap count number goes from eight a game to 15 a game or 16 a game. And he's so good in there. Guards can't handle the length he has. And he plays with the power. His approach is more power than speed these days. And he's really good when he gets in the interior. Guards can't handle him. So I, I think that's something they could definitely look at doing. So not a great answer from us on Highlight a New Role, but we only have yeah. so much data, folks. Um, let's talk about if there's any end-of-camp trade candidates. We talked running back-wise, like Dearness Johnson was a name we brought up. 
Uh, Stephen Thomas, uh, or Brown's mock draft said for wide receiver that Rashard Higgins could be a type of, of, uh, or even Kadero Hodge could be a guy that if you get to the end and you're at the end of camp and you're like, Hey, we're only going to keep five receivers. Uh, we, 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 this guy's on the market. Somebody could throw a pick instead of running the waiver gambit on that kind of guy. Is there anybody that catches your eye here? That could be some team maybe wants to throw a future seven at or six or something like that. Yeah, this is a tough one. I, I guess I look at this again with the defensive line in, in focus and there's not many guys, I think, in that group that would garner enough value unless it were a situation. And again, we're, we're talking about literally we're coming up with so many different scenarios right now because the camp is right around the corner and we just we can't wait. We're literally in the doldrums of, of football right now. Uh, and there's so much to unfold in this room. But I guess my point is if some of these chances and some of these, hey, let's see if this works out types of scenarios for the Browns with Barry – pan out for us i think maybe andrew billings could be on that list um you know again he may garner uh some value somewhere else he's a proven commodity in the nfl and and barry might be able to get whether it's a a player of interest or a pick of, you know of value to to kind of convert for that and and maybe we do see you know more of, of certain guys that we're not expecting based on you know how they perform in camp and a lot of that's going to happen in this room this room again is totally wide open and it's going to be for me probably outside a linebacker the, the the group to really pay attention to on the defense for sure and this is hard i think some other positions have had some players that you could see you know even tight end we talked i i don't think this would help happen in the range of outcomes like if david njoku was a trade candidate he still could be i don't think he would be but if there's anybody because you're walking a fine line like teams most of the time teams will say we'll just we think you're going to cut that guy we'll just wait it out but there are some times where like white teller situations arrive and hey we really want a guard and we really like this guy we'll give you a pick in the future for him kind of thing uh, i don't think this group really has anybody i guess because it's like they're not if you end up cutting andrew billing say we, we talked about the most unfortunate outcome just a minute ago for him teams are going to know that they're going to know hey man he's playing really out of shape and they're going to cut him i don't think it's worth throwing a pick for this guy like it would just like i'm not sure anybody really porter gustin like does he lose the fourth dn role does that like his curtis weaver's fighting for that job do they keep nine do they keep eight I don't know. That's a guy, but I, I also think that Porter Gustin's can be had on the waiver wire. So I don't just don't think there's a guy like that in this group, you know? So, um, yeah, I, it hasn't been too productive. I mean, he's been okay in, in, yeah. in spots. He's been good in tackling and good against the run, but he hasn't really done much in terms of like getting pressure off the edge. He's just sort of a guy. And again, for me, who's going to trade for that? I, I don't think many people would. And, and this room is really at this point, just a lot of question marks. So I, I don't see anyone really targeting that room specifically. Um, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. Is there anybody we'll close with this one, Mike uh, surprise 53. I, I, I mentioned earlier, probably only going to keep eight. If you only keep eight, then you're, you're looking at four DNs. The fourth DN role would be one that is uh, up for grabs. And then, D tackle wise, if you include Billings and you include Jackson, then the guys behind that, Togiai feels a he feels like a lock to make the roster. Then it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if they only keep two more or one more D tackle, then it's like, okay, Marvin Wilson, who they invested some money in, is right there. Jordan Elliott is right there, only one year into the league. 
and uh, who am I forgetting? Malik McDowell still mm-hmm. floating in that group. And then uh, what's his name? Uh, Square, Damian Square still right. floating there too. So I, I don't know. I mean, I guess are there any of those guys that wouldn't be a, uh, wouldn't be considered an early prior to camp sort of lock that you think could, could end up shocking some folks? Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it comes down to really Malik McDowell. Because again, I think if he comes in and he's as you know as he was on the field back in the day, it's again it's a big if. But if he is, he's versatile. He can he can play inside. He can kind of kick outside. He can do a lot of things where it makes sense to keep him on as that surprise you know lineman, if you will, or surprise uh, player, just because he can do so many different things and he can be so dominant. But again, big if with that statement. But I, I just. It, it's hard to look past that for me, just what, what he can actually do. And if he comes in and he's got his head on straight per se, it, it's just, it, it should be fun to see what, what he can produce for us. I'm with you. He would be one where I'd be like, wow, they ended up keeping him. That's a bit surprising, but there's some inside outside flex. It, the thing that was a little, Hmm, was that he was unable to to really perform and mandatory mini camp stuff. He was hurt. He cannot have that happen if he has any aspirations here. So you know, some things are out of your control. I understand, but he's got to got to show out. You got to you got to have availability. So, that's probably the one. Would Would Marvin Wilson making the roster shock me? I would be like surprised, but it wouldn't shock me. Uh, would Jordan Elliott not making the roster would be a shocker? Like he's only in his second year. They invested a third in him. That would be a pretty big shocker. I don't love him. I don't. I don't see it yet. Could it happen? Sure. I just don't see it yet, but I feel like the, those four D tackles, if you include Togia and you include Elliot, if they keep a 10th guy, sorry, a ninth guy, that's where it's like, do you want Curtis Weaver slash Porter Gustin, or do you want Marvin Wilson slash Dent McDowell? Like that's where I think there could be some wiggle room. So I, I think your answer is the right one. The biggest surprise name would be them ending up keeping McDowell where it's like, this guy's been out of the league and run the into really unfortunate personal circumstances that some are, you know, most are his creation and uh, to get his life back in order. And then, and then actually make the roster would be like a, wow, good, good for him kind of thing. So I'm with you, man. This was fun, Mike. I appreciate your, uh, your time and your insights on this stuff. I think there's, we've talked about this stuff all the time this off season, but it's fun to finally be a couple weeks out. Well, a week out and now yeah. kind of put the, put the idea to paper where we have, uh, a, a lot of a lot of decisions to be made about this group. I think you're spot on when you say this is the group that your your eyes should be honed in on. We talked all this is the first defensive group. The offense brings everyone back, everyone back. They got a couple new little tools that they can use in Anthony Schwartz, maybe Demetri Felton, but everyone's back. Not much guessing there. Here, there's some guessing up front. That's for sure. So we appreciate it, brother. Yeah, all good, man. Looking to looking forward to seeing what Woods does with all of his new toys, and I know everyone else is too. And yeah, camp can't get here any any faster, but appreciate you having me on and letting me share my thoughts. Thanks to Mike for joining us, and thank you guys for joining us as well. Hopefully you got a chance to listen to the two weekend bonus content editions uh, that were out where we got to the offensive line with Mertz Sobleski Bleacher Report, and we got to our final AFC contender preview of the Tennessee Titans with Broadway Sports, Mike Herndon. It was really in-depth. Check those out if you can. Uh, otherwise, I appreciate your support. We are approaching training camp like crazy. 
uh, things are going to get get really really intense quickly with uh, some new content, and and that's an exciting thing because I think we're all ready for it at this juncture. Uh, that's a that's a great part of turning the calendar to the new year. So hopefully we will provide expansive coverage through the OBR. We plan to. So hopefully you guys will be joining us and checking out this podcast, which will have daily training camp updates as made readily available or through observations on site. Twitch, follow it. Do so quickly. Coming up on the 26th where we will intro this new uh, live uh, streaming platform that we are going to go to. I'm putting the link in the bio once again for this podcast. Make sure you click it, subscribe, sign up. Super easy. Great content coming there. And yeah, subscribe to this podcast as well if you haven't done so. If you're just trying it out for the first time, spread the word. You get a subscription, you get the automatic download, and that's what you want when you're making your commute, doing your workout, whatever it is that you do, that you listen to podcasts. Nonetheless, your choice, appreciate it. I usually do when I'm walking my dog or getting out for a little workout myself. Even do it when I when I walk and play some golf. It's a nice Nice little thing to have a a podcast of your interest. So hopefully that is what we are providing for you at the OBR Film Breakdown. Again, thank you guys for joining us. We'll be back with linebackers tomorrow. Okay, We'll be back with linebackers, and then we got to close with defensive backs over the coming days before camp gets here. I appreciate you guys joining us. And as usual, and until next time, go Browns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.